Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto. We have a great show lined up for you. Of course, we will be joined by the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman, and Michael Roomberg, Miller Howard's portfolio manager of the Drill Bit to Burner Tip Strategies. From the drill bit in the field to the burner tip on your stove is a very comprehensive way of investing in America's energy. But first, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. It's a wonderful issue. It breaks down the topic of natural gas, talks about importing, exporting. So if you have questions on what's happening, you, there's a lot of media attention around um, this clean burning fuel. So you definitely want to go to shalemag.com. That's spelled S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Again, that's S H. A-L-E-M-A-G dot com. And remember, it's free. And did I mention for less than $80 a year, you can get a full year subscription to Shell Magazine. And again, all you have to do is visit Shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com and get your subscription mailed directly to your office or home. And now it's time to bring on our editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. I, I'm not sure about that. It is pouring buckets here in San Antonio. <laughs> but hey, we need the rain. So I guess it is beautiful. Yeah, we did too. There you go. Hey, let's get to, uh, there's a lot of amazing things happening. Uh, first of all, I, I want to talk about an announcement that came out between Anadarko, Chevron, and now uh, Oxy. But before we get to them, uh, there was an announcement the Trump administration came out with or, or President Trump discussing that he is not going to honor the uh, waivers anymore for the sanctions dealing with Iran. And I yeah. want to get your thoughts on that because that's a that has big implications. So tell me what you think. It sure does. Yeah, it really does. It has big, big implications. Uh, so the backstory very quickly is that uh, last May 12th, when uh, President Trump announced that he was uh, ending the ridiculous, uh, I know no other way to put it, uh, executive agreement that uh, President Obama had entered into with the Islamic Republic of Iran um, to uh, lift sanctions on Iran uh, and, you know, hope, I guess, hope against hope that they would improve their behavior where sponsoring terrorism is concerned. Uh, when President Trump announced that he was canceling that agreement and re-implemented sanctions uh, on any country or company that does business with Iran, including ex importing oil from, from Iran, uh, the administration granted waivers to eight different countries, including China and India, Greece, Italy, Japan, Taiwan, and South Korea, and Turkey. So China and India and Japan, three of the biggest, the world's biggest economies other than the United States, were part of those exemptions. And then those other countries were also a part of it. So eight countries were exempt from the sanctions and continued to import oil from Iran for the last year. What the president announced last week is that uh, he is going to rescind those waivers when they expire 
on May 12th. So they were one-year waivers that expire May 12th. And the design is, the desire of the administration is to reduce Iran's crude exports to zero. Uh, that's a big deal where oil markets are concerned because over the past year, Iran, prior to last year's announcement, they were exporting about 1.8 million barrels of oil a day. The implementation of sanctions on most countries doing business with Iran reduced that to a million barrels a day, and that's what they've been exporting over the last year. So what the administration is basically proposing is to take a million barrels of crude a day off the market, uh, essentially. Now, the other side, of, though, of what they're doing is working with Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates to encourage those countries to increase their own crude oil exports to make up the difference. Uh, very predictably, the market, you know, reacted by uh, increasing the price of crude oil uh, over the past week. And um, until they see Saudi Arabia and the UAE coming in with, with increased exports of their own, uh, the price of crude is probably going to continue to go up. Well, I think that these other countries kind of knew that this was coming, and obviously uh, they were put in place for a reason. Um, yep. There's also a discussion that uh, the shale producers, North America shale producers, have truly been just uh, increasing as well. So mm -hmm. uh, this is it your opinion that this will straighten out and kind of just uh, they'll be able to meet the demand and prices will relax a little bit here in the near future? Well, I... <laughs> so that's an open question. I, you know, when we, the first couple of months of the year, the Energy Information Administration here in the United States kept projecting that uh, U.S. overall crude production and production out of the Permian Basin was just going to reach a new record level every month. And then all of a sudden in March, they had to backtrack and admit that, oh, gosh. January's actual total U.S. production was down by about 100,000 barrels a day uh, compared to December. And uh, so they had to lower their projections for February and March and April as well. And so what, what's happening is the, the shell boom in the Permian and, and all over the country is slowing down a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, and so the, the growth of production uh, in the U.S. is also slowing down. So how much of this difference uh, we're going to be able to make up by increasing our own exports out of the United States, you know, is kind of up in the air. And, and uh, let's face it, uh, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates have never been the most reliable trading partners with the United States. And so I think what's going to happen is the market is, is going, we're going to see continued kind of very slow upward pressure. Uh, on crude prices until the market sees for certain sure that those two countries have increased their own exports substantially to make up this difference. So I, my expectation is we're going to see, you know, further increases in crude prices probably through at least mid-June and maybe through the end of June. Interesting. Well, there is one thing that catches the attention of, uh, of course, the American public is when gas prices at the pump yeah. which this is where it ends up <laughs> when crude prices go up. Uh, they don't like that, but then it might also uh, remind everyone again how important crude is to the United States and how much we really enjoy it. You know, uh, years back, we were paying 
you know, 350 at the, the gas pumps and higher. And so this is a relatively inexpensive gas. We've just forgotten yeah. <laughs> about it, uh, how short our memories are. Let's switch gears and talk about the big announcement. Uh, it's been all over the media. <laughs> Anadarko being purchased by Chevron and this Oxy um, uh, proposal as well. Yeah. Um, this week it broke that first Chevron was going to be purchasing Anadarko. And then Oxy came back with a secondary proposal um, and that hit. And uh, so what I want to do, David, is we have an interview of what came out on Squawk Box this week oh, with good. Vicki Hollop, who is uh, CEO of uh, Oxy, gave an interview with uh, David Faber with CSNBC um, discussing his question to her was the $2 billion annual synergy that uh, both companies, uh, another $1.5 billion in annual capital reduction. He basically asked her why was she so confident uh, about the larger number, $4 billion in overall synergies, that this was going to be an acceptable thing for Anadarko. And, and I want you to hear, uh, let's listen to her, her answer. The $2 billion is based on things that we have already done in our own operations and just taking that and applying it to what we can do with the combined assets. Uh, that includes the logistics that we've been able to establish in the Permian and make work. Um, a lot of people have heard about our Aventine hub, which is a, was an innovative way to, to support our operations. We're going to apply that to, to the Anadarko assets. We have some uh, proprietary drilling. Um, software and, and modeling that we do that uh, has helped to reduce our cost on the drilling side. And our completions, when you talked about the fact that we have 23 of the top 100 wells, the other fact there is the other wells and the other companies that have wells in that top 100, they had to use 27% more profit, which is about $500,000 a well more than we had to pay to get that, that performance. So. Basically, we can do this for lower cost than others, and we've demonstrated that, and now we can apply it to Anadarko's not only Permian, but DJ Basin as well. So, David, after hearing um, her soundbite, my my question is going to be after we return from break. She seems very, very confident that her the Oxy's position in the Permian Basin is definitely a game changer. Uh, Anadarko, they've been working them for two years um, and been trying to close this deal. So w when we return from break, I want to get your opinion on is Oxy sitting in a sweet spot? Uh, but we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back. In the oil patch radio show is proud to bring you this week's energy minute produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas railroad commissioner, Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas railroad commissioner, Ryan Sitton with your energy minute. Yesterday, quality issues with Russian crudes raised concerns over global oil supply. Poland, Germany, and the Czech Republic suspended imports of Russian crudes due to the concerns about 700,000 barrels per day total was suspended. The quality issues are impacting global oil supply at the same time that strict sanctions are driving down exports from Iran and Venezuela. Although these supply outages are concerning, Saudi Arabia claims to have more than enough spare capacity to compensate for the additional loss. WTI closed the day down 79 cents to end at $65.10 a barrel. NYMEX natural gas prices closed up 4 cents at $2.51 per MMBTU. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. 
Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call 1-800-AGRECO or online agreco.com. Plan your next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the state-of-the-art conference and education center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We're talking with David Blackman, the editor of Show Magazine. David, before the break, uh, we heard a quick soundbite from uh, Vicki Holub, CEO of Oxy and the latest proposal. Um, I want to get your thoughts on it because there's a lot of things that are happening uh, with this transaction. So tell me, yeah. she seems very confident that this is a, a new deal uh, and that they might actually be looked at from Anadarka. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, yeah, it's a complicated situation right now. Now, th- th- there's no doubt, uh, and, and she has reason to be confident in her company's ability to perform. Oxy has been one of the big producers in the Permian Basin for many years. They're a very sophisticated company. You know, they, they deploy the latest technologies. They have great results on their own drilling program in the Delaware and, and Midland Basins out there in the Permian. And and so there's there's really little doubt that acquiring Anadarko's Permian assets would be a tremendous bolt-on to their to their own holdings, and and create a giant company out there in West Texas. Uh, I think the concerns you know that Anadarko and this is just from talking to to people I know in the industry who kind of have knowledge about it is is the the concern and the the reason why Oxy's original offer, which was actually higher than Chevron's two weeks ago. Uh, was not accepted was that the Anadarko board of directors had some concerns about Oxy's uh, ability to really continue to uh, exploit uh, or develop the assets that uh, Anadarko has in the Gulf of Mexico and internationally. Uh, Oxy is not uh, a producer on the same scale that Chevron is in the deep water of the Gulf of Mexico. And there are a lot of synergies out there with, with Anadarko's assets. And then, you know, Oxy also, uh, while they have some holdings in Africa, Oxy has not been a big player in the LNG export business. And, um, you know, a big part of Anadarko's uh, assets uh, are their holdings uh, in a big LNG export operation in Mozambique. And so there were, there were concerns about the non-Permian assets. Uh, I think that really was the reason why Anadarko went with Chevron initially. 
But now this is a much higher offer. So that's the other side of well, this. Well, and Vicky in her interview with CSNBC said that, that Mozambique and the Gulf of Mexico, that those assets were really only about 15% to the value of this deal. Right. So the majority of it is in the Permian Basin. The majority it is, of yes. it is, uh, according to uh, uh, Vicky, that no one does it any better than uh, than Oxy out there in the Permian Basin in being able to uh, retrieve resources from uh, the shell plays out there in the Permian Basin. So yeah. extremely confident about we are the best in the business out there in Permian Basin. So this offer is much higher as well for the board of directors. It is. It's, uh, you know, they, Oxy's new offer, their their initial offer that was rejected was $70 a share of, of how they valued Anadarko's stock, which was trading at 46 at the time. So that's a big premium over the current trading value of Anadarko. Chevron, their their deal that was accepted by Anadarko was $65 a share. This new offer by Oxy is now $76 a share. So that is a big premium uh, over the Chevron deal and you know, would return a lot of additional value to Anadarko shareholders. Those shareholders and investors are now going to be putting a lot of pressure on Anadarko's board of directors to say, hey, here you have this competing offer that is much higher, frankly. Uh, how can you turn this one down? You know, we understood your reasons for turning down the offer two weeks ago, but now this is very substantially higher, almost 10%. So how do you stick with the Chevron deal? So it's, I, you know, I, frankly, I expect Chevron to come back with another counteroffer. And um, I, I don't think we know where this bidding war is going to stop because these are what we need to understand is is Anadarko's Permian Basin assets are in the sweet spot of the sweet spot of the Delaware Basin portion of the, the Permian region. And that is where the biggest production is coming from these days is the Delaware Basin. And so these are extraordinarily attractive assets. So there's, you know, there's no way to really predict how high the ultimate bidding in this competition might go. When um, operators get into these kind of situations where it turns into a bidding war, uh, Vicky was pretty uh, clear about this has been a friendly discussion uh, with the Anadarko CEO and it will continue um, even if it does get into a bidding war. Do you believe that this will be the, the same, that it will be a, a friendly <laughs> bidding war, if you will? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's a competition, you know. Um, and these are, you know, the companies, I mean, they're not sworn enemies or anything, but it, it's a healthy competition. There's a billions and billions of dollars at stake here and uh, 50 years of future drilling operations out there in the Permian Basin at stake. And so it's it's a heated deal. And, uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, it's I mean, I guess it'll be friendly enough. <laughs> Nobody's going to get in a fistfight over it, but it's going to be very competitive. Which is the nature of the all business to begin with, let's face it. That's true. Now, uh, last question about uh, when was the last time that we have seen uh, two large companies going after assets? Yeah, I don't remember a situation like this, to be honest with you. I, You know, we had big consolidation in the industry in the late 90s, you know, and there was a lot of competition, uh, you know, to for the takeovers of companies like Amico, which was eventually bought by BP and Texaco, which eventually merged with Chevron and Mobile, which merged with Exxon. 
And there was a lot of competition in those, but it was it was not really it didn't really take place in the public arena like this. This is it was all in the background in data rooms and and you know in confidential offers uh, that were made. Uh, this is something new. This is a public, <laughs> very public uh, offer out there in the media for everybody to see. And uh, I think it it really. Here's what I would like to be right now. I, I would love to be a shareholder of Anadarko Petroleum, and here's what I would hate to be. I would hate to be a member of the board of directors of Anadarko Petroleum because those people have very tough decisions to make here in the coming days. Well, I, I agree with you. I would love to be a shareholder in Anadarko, too, yeah. <laughs> because they are going to really uh, have a sweet deal no matter which company they go with. And, and actually, both companies are amazing as well. Oh, these are all great companies. That's the thing about it. They're all great, high-quality companies, great operators and producers. And, you know, I, on the one hand, I really hate to see Anadarko Petroleum go away because I've known a lot of people there, had a lot of friends there right. over the years. Yeah, that was the other surprising thing is that there will not be whoever buys, will probably there will not be an Anadarko left uh, of the name anyway. Until next week, David, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. You're listening to End the Wool Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our next guest to join us will be uh, discussing the Anadarko, Chevron, and Oxy ongoing deal. Michael Roomberg, Miller Howard's portfolio manager of the Drill Bit to Burner Tip Strategies. From the drill bit in the field to the burner tip on your stove is a very comprehensive way of investing in America's energy. Michael, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. So, Michael, before we get going on uh, talking all stuff Anadarko, Chevron, and of course now Oxy again, tell me a little bit about uh, your company and, of course, what do you do there? What is Miller Howard's drill bit to burner tip strategies? Sure. Uh, Miller Howard is a um, investment manager based in New York. Uh, we are a five billion dollar equity manager. Uh, we manage uh, portfolios for individuals and institutions. And uh, we have a focus on high-quality companies that are uh, favorable companies for uh, generating high current income. Uh, we focus on companies that have uh, a strong degree of durability. Uh, within the types of portfolios that we manage on behalf of clients, uh, one of those strategies of which I am the portfolio manager is what's called our drill bit to burner tip strategies uh, and, and portfolios. These are focused on uh, companies that are invested uh, uh, in the North American energy, shale energy revolution, uh, whether that is from the upstream, uh, the e that are drilling in the field to midstream companies that are transporting hydrocarbons from the field to market. 
to some of the end users of those commodities, whether they be uh, natural gas distribution companies or refiners, uh, some of the export companies in the LNG and crude oil space, uh, as well as across the NGL or natural gas liquid value chain. And uh, finally, we are invested in companies that are potential beneficiaries of all of the abundance of domestic energy production. Uh, that includes companies that are in the petrochemical industry across the Gulf Coast, the United States. Uh, we are invested in companies that are also facilitating some of these developments, whether that be uh, oil field service type companies or companies that are in the engineering and construction space uh, around uh, oil and gas development in the United States. So uh, I would call our, our, our portfolios uh, a diversified way to invest specifically in American energy. And uh, we believe that it's a comprehensive way to do so, and that uh, given the constantly evolving dynamics of American energy, uh, of global energy markets, that our ability to invest across the entire energy value chain uh, is a unique um, uh, offering that we believe within the, the market of um, different ways to invest in this uh, through the stock markets. And, and we think it's a way to invest that uh, helps us to navigate some of the inevitable cycles of energy investing. So we really do get a 36,000 foot view of the entire energy economy, uh, but we at the same time are deeply in the weeds of a number of the key companies that uh, are really household names within the energy industry, particularly here in the United States. Uh, one final thing I'll mention is that we are, uh, as opposed to many of the energy equity managers that are out there, uh, really laser focused on American energy companies. There are companies um, such as you know ExxonMobil or BTP that have a global reach. Uh, we do not own those types of companies in the strategy. We are really focused on companies that uh, we believe are well positioned to gain global market share by virtue of their uh, exposure to domestic shale resources, which are um, near the bottom end of the global cost curve and that we think are going to continue to be a, a powerful driver of the supply equation for global energy. Well, you know, Michael, um, what you are saying saying is something that really I don't necessarily know of a lot of people wrap their head around. You know, there is always been uh, energy global commodity trading. Everybody's familiar with OPEC and Saudi Arabia and, and everything, but fairly new has been the Shell Revolution. Um, and to see that your company is focusing on some of the best of the best that are pretty much American-made energy companies and everything involved in that from the up, mid, downstream, and even, you know, further into the petrochemicals. Um, it's good to see that there's a spotlight uh, specifically on that because uh, there are some amazing companies. When we come back from break, I want to get into uh, the specifics on your end of your thoughts of this uh, potential purchase of Anadarko. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. 
Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Hi, this is Kimball Otto, host of In the Oil Patch Radio Show, starting every second Saturday of the month at 2 p.m., we will have a live call-in show in which John Tatera, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, will be joining me in studio to answer all your questions. So be sure to take advantage of getting your most important oil and gas questions answered live and join us on the show. The call-in live line is 210-526-3656. Again, the call-in live number is 210-526-3656. Be sure to call in at 2 p.m. If you want more information on how to call in live or the phone number again, be sure to email us at radio at shalemag.com. we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Michael Roomberg, Miller Howard's Portfolio Manager of the Drill Bit to Burner Tip Strategies. Uh, Michael, before the break, we were talking about the the announcement of this deal. Uh, it, it definitely is a very interesting uh, deal. Chevron uh, had agreed to acquire Anadarko in a $50 billion deal, which is the largest, you know, EMP deal in, in Shell's history. So tell me a little bit about the initial deal. Let's back up and start with that. Sure. So on Friday, April 12th, uh, Anadarko Petroleum announced a agreement to be acquired uh, by Chevron, uh, the global major oil company, uh, who offered a uh, $65 per share uh, offer in a mixture of 75% stock and 25% cash. Uh, the 25, uh, 75% being Chevron stock in return for uh, uh, Anadarko's um, uh, equity. And the, the deal was a substantial premium to uh, Anadarko's prior trading price. The value of many of the shale companies took a substantial hit in the fourth quarter of 2018, where we had uh, a pretty precipitous collapse in oil prices that have since reversed. And uh, frankly, many of the upstream EMP companies have lagged that recovery in the price of the commodity. And we think that more than anything, that Chevron uh, really has two uh, motivations in this deal. One is value. Uh, we think that there is a significant significant gap between how the market is valuing the EMP businesses of these globally diversified companies like Chevron uh, versus where the public equities of companies like Anadarko are trading today. So that arbitrage created a significant value creation opportunity that enabled Chevron to offer a substantial premium to where Anadarko's price was trading. Uh, the second motivation is that Chevron, like uh, ExxonMobil, uh, and uh, you know those types of companies have been looking offshore, deep water, outside of the United States, and really were not the 
the, the pioneers of the shale revolution, whereas Anadarko was. And while Anadarko has global operations, uh, they have uh, much more concentration in the United States than a company like Chevron does today. Uh, fast forward from the beginning of the shale oil era, which we really kind of date back to 2010, uh, Chevron has really seen the light with respect to the Permian Basin in West Texas and the productivity of shale and, and how uh, attractive, attractive it is from a cost perspective to produce uh, oil there. And as recently as February uh, unveiled its intentions to really uh, more than triple its production of uh, oil and gas from West Texas uh, over the next several years, uh, even before their uh, public intention to acquire uh, Anadarko. And the reason is, is that they have looked at the opportunity set that they have globally, uh, and they've really determined that U.S. onshore shale production in the upstream space is the best in, uh, uh, highest return uh, opportunity that they have on the finite amount of capital that they have to invest. And so that is a ringing endorsement of shale. Uh, and Anadarko's acreage uh, does provide a, a good amount of overlap with what Chevron was trying to do and provides them a level of scale uh, in the Permian Basin that would actually allow them to be combined as the largest producers uh, in the Permian Basin going forward. So the, the industry has matured, and Chevron clearly uh, is seeking to build up a scale that does not exist amongst any of the other players today uh, in a way that I thought would create uh, solid valuation or value for both companies, both the acquirer uh, and, and Anadarko itself. Excellent. Um, do you believe that um, the proposal that Anadarko, that I'm sorry, Chevron had made to Anadarko, did they somewhat overpay? I mean, we realize the acreage is, is excellent, but and of course Permian Basin is excellent, but do you believe that they overpaid in any way for the assets? Sure. So it's a good question. I, I should... Um, you know, there have been a number of developments subsequent to Chevron's initial offer on Friday, April 12th. Um, you know, we believed at the time that Chevron had uh, conducted something of a steal with respect to an asset that had been trading below its intrinsic value. And, you know, subsequent to that announcement, we've had Occidental Petroleum, which is another uh, Permian oil producer, but also produces uh, at, at some other uh, parts of the world as well, in the Middle East and in, in South America. Uh, they actually came in with an offer that was a 17% uh, higher offer for Anadarko Petroleum uh, than what uh, Chevron's price uh, offer was. And so uh, that uh, announcement was actually uh, unveiled on uh, April 24th, Wednesday, April 24th. And at the moment, uh, Occidental has uh, gone hostile. So Occidental had a, a, attempted to engage uh, uh, Anadarko's board during the, the course of this uh, process that Anadarko was speaking with both Chevron and Occidental. And so even though Occidental was willing to pay more, uh, $76 to be specific per share of Anadarko in a mix that had a higher component of cash, which is generally uh, seen as more attractive. As you recall a moment ago, I, I referenced that Chevron was offering only 25% cash consideration. So not only was this a higher nominal uh, amount offer for Anadarko shares, it also contained more cash, which uh, it, you know a bird in the hand is more than is worth more than uh, two in the bush. So the, having the cash component of that offer was uh, on paper at least a, a, a more uh, attractive offer. Now, initially, uh, the uh, Anadarko board has agreed to go forward with Chevron. Um, Occidental having made public their discussions with 
the Anadarko board is now pressuring the Anadarko board to reconsider their own decision to accept Chevron's offer. And of course, all of this is subject to a final vote by Anadarko shareholders. And given the 17% premium of Occidental Petroleum's offer to the previous offer on the table from Chevron, uh, we do think it's likely that a vote to be taken over by Chevron at a price below where uh, Anadarko's stock is trading in the public market today would be a non-starter for investors. So at this juncture, we see uh, a number of potential pathways for this deal to go forward, uh, one of which is uh, that Chevron, and, and I believe most likely of which is that Chevron comes back with a better offer. Well, Michael, I do want to get into what are the thoughts as this deal starts playing out, but let me take a quick break and when we return, we'll get into what do you see happening with these two companies uh, going after Anadarko. Uh, you are listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Michael Wilmberg, Miller Howard's Portfolio Manager of the Drill Bit to Burner Tip Strategies, which are offered as SMAs and mutual funds. So, Michael, before the break, you were talking about the last transaction that happened between Anadarko and Oxy. Where do we go from here? Where What will happen um, so keep going with what your thoughts are. What will we see play out? Well, sure. Great question. So the, the next step in this process is that Anadarko's board is clearly going to have to come back and issue a public response to why they accepted an offer that is uh, inferior on paper to uh, Occidental $76 per share offer. Uh, I think given the requirement that Anadarko will have to have a, a shareholder vote be approved, uh, it's likely that Chevron uh, sees the same value in these assets and can pay as much or more as Oxy for them. So we believe that the most likely course of action is that Chevron comes back with a superior bid. And I should point out that as of 331, uh, Miller Howard's portfolios held Occidental Petroleum, Anadarko Petroleum, and did not hold Chevron, ExxonMobil, or BP stock. But we we think that Anadarko um, will probably be faced with a superior offer from Chevron. Uh, it may have a higher cash component, but we think it will come closer to that $76 per share uh, offer that is embedded in, in Occidental's uh, offer. And 
possibly that Oxy could come back as well uh, with a couple of dollars uh, higher than that. Even on our math, we see this deal as still being accretive for Occidental Petroleum, even if they are offering uh, slightly more. Now, as Occidental holders, we wouldn't want to see them offer too much more than that uh, because of the associated debt that will be needed to, to take on uh, in order to, to execute upon the deal. So we would view that as negative, but all in all, we own Occidental for the high current income and the strength of the company's balance sheet. And while on the surface this would appear to uh, reduce the quality of that for a brief period of time, we see a high pathway for Occidental to be able to uh, achieve good synergies, to divest non-core assets, and to really optimize their development of the Permian Basin through this combination. So uh, we think, and, and if the deal fails and Chevron is ultimately the winner, uh, we do believe that this validates uh, not only Occidental's decision to pay more if, for instance, Chevron comes in with an even higher bid, but it does validate the whole uh, notion of the productivity of shale acreage in the, in the Permian Basin. So that kind of gets to the final point, is that there are a number of other EMP companies that are building up uh, building up great businesses across the Permian Basin over the, over the last several years. Uh, they do take some knocks for not having generated a lot of cash uh, returns, but in, you know, in lieu of that, they have generated uh, a tremendous growth that has made these businesses into sizable entities that are attractive to these companies that are global majors that have not uh, been involved in shale. And so, you know, as the industry continues to mature, uh, one of the things that we see with Occidental Petroleum is that they are able to manage the tens of thousands of, of low production volume existing wells that many of these companies are going to be forced to operate over time. I mean, they're adding uh, thousands of wells every year and somebody will need to continue to operate operate those very cost effectively. And that really argues for scale. So I do see a number of these other companies that have built up nice businesses over time, uh, you know, either combining with others of their peers or, uh, you know, similar types of opportunities with respect to acquisitions as has happened with Anadarko. So it's an exciting time for Shell, uh, which has had a, a bumpy couple of years due to global macro oil dynamics. But, uh, you know, this is a, a at the end of the day, regardless of the, the, the sort of nuances that we've discussed today, uh, this is a ringing endorsement of this area of the world's uh, oil supplies. And the world will continue to need substantial supplies of oil uh, going forward. Uh, there's 100 million barrels a day of demand today. Uh, and every year, 5% of that production goes offline due to natural uh, aging of existing oil wells. So in 10 years, we're going to have to replace 50 million barrels of oil, uh, nearly half of what we produce today, through new sources and new wells. And the Permian Basin is going to be, uh, under any variety of circumstances, in our opinion, uh, a key component of, of solving that equation. So um, you know, we, we, we're, we are very much uh, enthusiastic about the implications for uh, this company uh, investing in the space. You know, and I'm glad you 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 really went into great detail because I think that um, a lot of times it's fairly new, as you said, and a lot of people. Uh, and of course, what happened when the oil prices dropped? Um, is this really here to stay? And um, you know, how uh, when will the majors come and start um, really investing in in energy here in the United States? And we're starting to see it. My, my last question is the transactions um, that we're seeing now. Do you see more of these coming? Do you see more major global energy companies coming and purchasing in Permian Basin? Is this just the beginning of what we will see? 
Yes, I do. Uh, you know, we, we continue to think that, that glo- the long-term global marginal cost of supply of oil is closer to the uh, $80 a barrel range. If you consider uh, many of the major petro states that we see internationally, uh, whether it's Saudi Arabia or others, uh, to be fiscally sustainable over the long term in terms of all their social governance programs, we see that they need a uh, oil price of about $80 a barrel long term. Obviously, the, the emergence of shale, which can produce oil, uh, in many cases, as low as $40 break-even. Uh, that's really disrupted that. But you've seen actions by these companies to prop up the, or these countries to prop up the price of oil, uh, and we think that that argues for value. And so just as we think that uh, Oxy and Chevron have identified value in Anadarko Petroleum, uh, not only their holdings in the Permian, but other shale plays and uh, offshore in the United States, we think that uh, there are other companies that are similarly situated uh, that do provide that advantage in a world where uh, we think that commodity prices uh, are going to t- trend higher uh, over the intermediate and long term. Over the next 12 months, it's, it's very difficult to kind of foresee where that will go. There are a number of moving factors, and politics plays a big part. But over the long run, you know, we believe that the math is pretty clear that higher oil prices will be necessary to supply the world sustainably, and that um, these companies, there are many that are independent EMP companies, uh, we believe that over time they will um, you know, probably take on a different shape in large entities. And yes, we we think that M&A will continue to be an important driver uh, of value creation because these deals really do extract uh, certain synergies that create value for both investors and for the operators themselves. Excellent. So in closing, your thoughts are everything is really good for the future of shale. Michael Roomberg, Portfolio Manager of Miller Howard Drillbit to Burner Tip Strategies. Thank you for coming in and being a guest here on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you. Well, that's all the time that we have for this show, but please be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch. Or follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G. And if you have any questions for me, or if you have questions on oil and gas, I encourage you to email me at radio at shellmag.com. That's going to wrap up another great show. See you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.